0: At face value, the names of the parashios, Tazria and Metzorah, seem completely incongruent with the content of those two parashios, but on closer examination, we'll learn that not only do they make a tremendous amount of sense, but they give us an amazing insight into what Saras is all about, how those things that happen in Judaism that feel like punishments from Hashem actually operate, and it helps us to understand and appreciate the unique experience of how we are preparing for Mashiach, particularly in our time. The parashiyos Tazria Metzaira Zayin Loi De Von Rove Hashanim. Most years, the way that the parashiyos work, Tazria Metzaira Ale Hashanim Shuta is unless it's a leap year or mechuboris, they're linked and we read them as a double parasha. The kesher v'shayche swish and titzvei sedges is fashtantik v'parshas. Now, you can easily see the link between two parashas. We don't arbitrarily link two parashas together unless the content is somehow shared. And in this case, it's pretty clear that the content is shared. Because no if eif and in beidah sedges and vegen egoim. First of all, both of the parashas speak about the blemishes of tzoraas. That's obvious. In parashat Tazriah, nigei odom v'nigei begodim, parashat Tazriah speaks about tzoraas of the human body and of clothing, on Parashas Matzorah and Niggun and Matzorah speaks about the tzaaras that you can get on your house, but besides that, now there's an even deeper link between them, because Parashas Matzorah is the same v'choisim from Parashas Tazria. Actually, when you read it, you see that Parashas Matzorah concludes the themes that began in Parashas Tazria, because the dinah Matzorah v'nevel chesetzek v'Parashas Tazria, all the halochas of how you deal with somebody who has tzaaras isyumam are concluded. Zois. So, When the parasha tells us in well, this is now the final process, how you um, purify somebody who had saras, and that's in parasha's material. So that's obvious, there's a link. We understand that how the two parishes fit and why they literally segue from one into the other. What we do have, have, have to understand is, is the names of the parishes because the Rebbe discussed this numerous times. The names allocated to the parishes are not just to distinguish one parish from the other. Where we just pick a word out of the beginning of the parish and use that as the marker to distinguish one parasha from the next. Rather, every single name of the parasha contains within it and represents like any name in the holy tongue which always expresses what the essence of the particular thing that is named is all about. And in this case, the name of the essence, the content of the parasha must somehow be expressed in the name of the parasha and you can see this clearly in Pas Tazria as an example we don 't call it the parish of woman, even though that is a word it is the first unique word in the parish would have been a good name for the Parasha. But, uh, you know, vaidabra is obviously an expression that's, that's common to all tazria. It's interesting, we don't call this name pa- Isha, which would have been unique, but we call the parasha Tazria, telling you, it's not just a matter of finding a, a unique word and using that to distinguish one parasha from the next, but it must somehow represent the content. So therefore, In our scenario, we have to understand. What about Tazria? Contains the overall theme of what most of the content of the parish is about. When you consider that the vast majority of the parish is about Tzoraz and the various forms of Tzoraz, that's very different to the word Tzoraz. In fact, not only is it very different, not only is there no link between the word Tzoraz and the concept of Tzoraz, it actually would appear to be the exact opposite of what Tzoraz is all about. Because Tazriya Vais, Vidas is the idea of Tazria, as you can see clearly in our Tazria is the concept of conception and birth. New birth and new life. That's what Tazria represents. Whereas Tzeras is a scenario where the person is considered as if they were dead. It's not just because the person is impure, therefore they're considered like someone who is dead. It's a definition of the person with tzaras that they are not considered to be alive. How could Tazria, a parasha name indicating new life, be the parasha of content, which is about somebody who is almost as if they're not alive? We can have a similar question about the second parasha, Metzorah, and its name. Because in parasha's Metzorah, which is the designation of a person with saras parasha's Metzora doesn't speak about people who have Tzorah. In other words, how they have saras what indicates saras, what are the blemishes... Now, to the country this is the parasha that speaks about how somebody escapes Tzoraz and becomes pure again where they lose the status of Mitzorah this is a person who can now return to society bring his Kibonas why then is the name of the parasha Mitzorah it's the exact opposite of the content I, ah, you'll say, yeah, but there is a kind of Tzorah that is only detailed in Parshos Metzorah, namely, the Tzorah that afflicts the house. Well, that's also not, good, uh, not a good enough explanation because it's not Number one, the word Metzorah is a status of a human, not of a house. So that wouldn't help. If this parasha speaks about how Tsaras gets onto the house to explain why it's called mitzoya. Furthermore, is is Actually, when you examine what's unique about tsaras on the house, different to tsaras on a person, is we don't focus on the fact that it's negative. Al Singhan look at what Rashi says, and Rashi gives us the simplest under, un, understanding. And He says it straight away, as soon as the Torah speaks about Hashem afflicting homes with Tsaras, that Pursurah says it's actually it's good news that they're being told. That they will have the tsaras that will afflict their houses. Because, as Rashi explains, the previous owners of those homes, the Amorites, would hide their valuables in the walls. Here, because of the tsaras, the people would have to smash the walls. They'd find these massive treasures. It was actually good news. So it really doesn't fit the theme of Metzorah. Mashenka is adra, but How does Rashi explain Matsurah? very differently? Because in midrash of and the midrashim definitely discuss this in great detail. V'k'ndem indicates lack and indicates affliction or punishment. which is directly related to something very negative, lashon speaking badly about other people and arrogance. So Nigei Batim, the tzaraos of the house, which is actually really positive, doesn't fit with the word Matsura, which is quite a negative word. Echdan The other interesting thing about Mitzorah is that you actually find there are two different places that discuss the name and or two different sets of places and they use different names. And I, so... We call it Min Israel, our custom. When I Azayvaytz Younger from Tur v'Shulchan Aruch, the same way that it's recorded in Shulchan is Rofinir Metzuyah to call this Parashah Metzuyah. All buried in Rashi and Rambam, but there are other places, Rapsag Yagon, Rashi, Rambam, when the Younger from who don't call this Parashah Metzuyah, they call it Zoystiya. Why then, in those in those commentaries, is it called Zoystiya? Um, and we today call it Metzuyah based on the Shulchan Aruch. So we're going to go straight to the explanation and understand that our perception of tsaras is completely wrong and that's why we're not understanding what's going on over here. Let's first understand a broad concept about how a Jewish person is supposed to understand not only what goes on in the world but specifically what happens to us that appears to be negative. There's a foundational principle of Jewish faith, which is von sets up consequences for our behavior, positive or negative consequences, depending on the behavior. Let's have a look at how the Rambam says it in his famous 13 Fundamentals of, of Jewish Faith. The eleventh foundation of Jewish faith is and and that Ebrech will reward those who fulfill the mitzvot of the Torah and will punish somebody who transgresses. And then he explains the ultimate reward is a portion in the next world. And the ultimate devastation is to be cut off from Hashem. And the Rambam gives much more detail about this in Mishnah Torah in the section on Shiva. So we believe in a principle of reward and punishment. But is Torah comes from a perspective of kindness, benevolence. Is on. So if the Torah prescribes punishment, it's not to be vindictive and to punish, but rather to give an opportunity for the person to be able to rehabilitate their soul. As we see very clearly, the Gemara tells us that even if somebody did something which was so severe that they deserved to be so called cut off from Hashem, if they were given lashes, they have now been absolved from that terrible punishment of Kores. Why? Because the terror is benevolent. And even when somebody's in a very serious scenario and they deserve chasfesholim capital punishment, so the Gemara tells us an example about Achan, who was a person who took what he should not have taken from the, um, the, the spoils of war. The Passock says that Hashem will sully him or you know, uh, separate him. On a particular day, says the says, That that's exactly the point. The punishment that a person experiences in this world is to ensure that the person is not cut off in the next world. So even those most severe punishments are from a perspective of benevolence. Oh, but the problem is, If the vast majority of consequences slash punishments that a person goes through, we don't actually see the goodness in it. While a person is still living in this world. Here's an exception. When it comes to Tzoraz, The whole point, as we'll see in a moment from the Rambam, as he describes, as he concludes the laws of Tzoraz, he gives us a perspective that the whole concept of Tzoraz is actually benevolence. And we'll extrapolate out and say, well, here's an example of a punishment that's actually benevolent that is to teach us that all so-called punishments in Torah are benevolent. So let's see, what does the Rambam say about it? The Rambam saras. right at the end, the very last halacha, In the laws of Tsaras, the Rambam says, So the Rambam first says that Tzeras is a very broad term that includes all different kinds of scenarios that don't even look the same. They don't operate the same way. But the fact that each one is labeled Tsaras, this Tzeras, that Tzeras, a bigger Tzeras, a bias, etc., it's to tell us that the entire experience of Taraz is not a natural phenomenon, but it's rather something which is a sign and a supernatural one at that, from Hashem, in order that the Abishah wants to warn us against speaking Losh and hora, Because if a person does speak Losh and look how the Rambam describes it. First, Mishthana is Kiro's Beisoy. The first thing that happens is the walls of his house will be afflicted by Taraz and will change color im if he gets the message and he does chiva then the house will be purified and everything will be fine im but if the person doesn't change their words their ways and has to have their home destroyed because of that and they still don't change their ways well then mishtan kleh then it starts to affect the the clothing in the house First, the clothing that is, so to speak, part of the furniture, like the, 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 the skins or whatever, the, the leather that's in the house, and then eventually the clothing on the person. Until eventually it becomes his, his own body that gets the tzaraahs. And then at that point, the person will be completely excised from the community and publicized that this person has to be in this quarantine. Until the person learns not to engage in wicked speech, which is cynical scoffing and Lashon Hora. In other words, that means that the Eibishter is changing the rules of nature to warn us not to speak Lashon Hora. What the is there. That's why the way the does it is, as the brings the machine free in the in the bottom. First, Abishar affects the homes. And then, then he affects the clothing because why? Because they to to Because to slowly, slowly intensify the warnings to keep a person away from Lush and hora. In other words, the Rambam is telling us it's not simply to punish; it's actually to help a person improve themselves. And even the fact that the Mitzraya has to then be quarantined, which as the Rambam describes, he is put into quarantine and it's public. Like the pasuk says, he has to sit alone outside of the camp. Even that, the Rambam says, is not for the purpose of segregating him, but educating him to ensure that he no longer behaves in this particular way. That is the clue to understanding why the parasha that describes all of the negativity of Tzeraus is actually called tazria, the conception, the conceiving of a new life. Tazriah means the seeding of a new life. In exactly the same way as you would seed produce, as der funzal nachdem kumun, anaye Mecha, with the intention of a seed, you plant a seed so something brand new will grow. As oyunste techen inyen hane, going from parishes to that's the message of tzreya, to tell us that the objective of tzoras is to grow something new. Say denega atzmoy, whether it be the blemish of the tzoras, o un say de haske ve hachlit funda mtsaye, is moved on the mufusim le and the segregation of the person who has the tzoras has to now be alone and, and publicize, is not intended solely to punish and cause negativity for the person with tzerahs, but rather these are processes, details of a process, that allow this person to spiritually heal. That will prompt this individual to now live a new life, Tazriya. A life in which he will be removed from and have nothing to do with that overly negative conversation of Losh and Hora, etc. And seeing as we know that the Torah is always lessons and lessons that extend beyond the immediate message of the Torah is moved on. That this story of Tzora is there to teach us how we should perceive all of the punishments in Torah. As in that every so-called punishment is actually intended to help heal the individual to reintroduce an upright forward way of living now that explains why Tazria is the appropriate name for the parasha that describes the ailment of Tzara because it's actually to heal a person spiritually now, How come out of all the various possibilities of punishment does the Torah make this lesson so clear in the scenario of tzaras? Well, the answer is because tzaras is so severe, so it will catch our attention and then we'll see something so severe is positive for things that are not so severe. Because, as we've mentioned, the person with taras is considered as good as dead And even without that, everybody acknowledges that t'aras is one of the harshest kinds of impurity that exists And the treatment of the Tzeras is very drastic Where else do you find a person who is completely segregated from the community? So therefore we can extrapolate from T'ras to other punishments that may not seem as severe. As that every punishment is actually part of the process of rehabilitation for that individual. In exactly the same way as we've just seen here, that the case of Tzorah is actually tazria, the seeding of a new life, we can understand that that applies to every other kind of punishment. Now, what's interesting about this perspective is, it helps us understand the halachic definition of Tzorah differently to how we may have understood it this perspective that Saras is a process of rehabilitation rather than a simple punishment gives us an Alachic perspective about Saras. what Alachic perspective about this quarantine so what do we know we know that when a person has saras, as long as he has Saras, he is impure and can contaminate others and therefore he has to live outside of the camp the requirement for him to be outside of the camp could be defined in one of two ways either perhaps the, this law of segregation for the Mitzurah is part of the general law of segregation of people who are impure and can contaminate others there are other people who are impure and therefore cannot enter the base Hamikdash or cannot enter the, even the Har Habayis So it's the same principle, a material also can't be in certain settlement because of his impurity, it's just a more intense impurity, so it's a greater segregation. So naturally now he's going to be completely alone because he can't be where other people are. That's one possibility. Same halacha, just in the extreme. Or, as Dafka. we could argue that the absolute quarantine of a Metzora is a unique halacha that only applies to tzaras and is not in the category of the other types of impurity. Now, oich mitin It's part of what completely distinguishes a Metzora from every other impure person. Now, is by do Let's understand this further. There are potentially two different concepts of halacha relating to a Metzora. On the one hand, we do find that a is included in the general laws of impurity discussed in Pashas Naseh, which include, Anybody who is in an impure state that can contaminate others has to be sent outside of the camp. On the Where our concern is they shouldn't contaminate the rest of the population. So our concern is the encampment of the Jewish people. So that's saying, well, the person is impure, so therefore they are spiritually contagious, and we need to protect the rest of the population from them. That's one aspect of tzaras. But then there's another one, base The fact that the Mitzor has to sit alone, which is, that is a halacha that you only find in context of Mitzorah. That's not to prevent him contaminating others, because he's already outside of the camp. This is to help him to rehabilitate. Not only for the sake of protecting others. Now with that information, there are some practical differences. We'll look at two of them. Number one, Aleph, When the Parashat tells us that all these people who are impure and can contaminate others have to be sent outside of the camp, we're focusing on the negative. The fact that these people cannot be with the rest of the population. So they will not contaminate the camp. So if there's a time in history where there are no longer these camps of Machne Shchina, Machne Levi, Machne Israel, then this particular alocha is no longer relevant. Whereas when we focused on the quarantining of the Metzorah they were looking at the proactive requirement to keep him separate. Not only should he be outside of the camp there too he should be alone. So for some reason this didn't happen. There is no camp. So you can't put him outside the camp because there is no camp. Like today, there's no designation of these three camps. So if we can't give this person the opportunity to be away from everybody else, then we are not allowing them the possibility of rehabilitation. Something the Rebbe has explained in detail elsewhere. So that's the first distinction. Second distinction. which says that people who are impure have to be outside of the camp, and in the case of the Metzora, outside of all three camps, then we would understand that when we're told that the material has to be alone, what we actually mean is that we can't hang out with other people who are impure from other causes, like Tmei people who have been contaminated by the impurity of a dead body, so of Vezovus, people who have bodily um, Causes of their impurity, impurity. But as long as he's outside of the camp, there'd be nothing to preclude him from being with other people who have tzoraz. Whereas, but when you include the imperative that says he must be alone, that means he can't hang out with other people who have tzoraz outside of the camp as well only if he is absolutely alone quarantined outside of the camp then he'd fulfill as the Rambam calls it the requirement to be alone and publicized and that would be the only way to prevent him from continuing this negative speak which got him into the Tsuras in the first place especially if you think about it if we were to allow the Mitzura to hang out with other Mitzura, who clearly have a Losh and problem, problem especially if he's only hanging out with them, it would actually be counterproductive. It's like putting criminals into prison and finding that not only do they um, become, that they don't rehabilitate, they actually become worse. So now we've looked at the Pshat, we've looked at the Halacha, and we've understood that the entire purpose of of uh, Taras is to warn a person and edge that person away from Loshan Hora And if the person doesn't take the hints and gets further into their spiritual mess to the extent that they get Taras, then we have to take these drastic measures and completely quarantine the person because only that will allow him never to speak badly about other people. The same theme, only more so, is expressed when you look at things from a spiritual perspective. Says in the it's pretty well known that the Al explains in the Kutatera, As das, was goim, ki, hi, yebeb, sorry, How come it is that the introduction to the halachas of Maturah is given with the word Adam? The Torah uses the word Adam. The Odom was Adam is a name that is reserved for greatness and reserved only for the Jewish people. It says the al The reason for that is, the Because in order for a person to be susceptible to Tzaras in the first place, they actually have to be at a very high spiritual level. They have to be at the level of Adam, which is actually the ultimate human state. Now, why would tzaras affect somebody who's at such a high elevated level? On the time there funis the reason is val de inyan hanegoyim be'ur basare. The fact that tzaras is a skin disease, vayis as the rabbis is gerend aneges nit betoich in the pnimius funda mentioned is because obviously what they whatever the ebeshe does is mida keneged mida. If the affliction is only on the skin, it reminds us that this person doesn't have negative within themselves. Now, since pseilas verav al ches vabrim plays have now is you've got a person who's just got a little bit of residual, superficial negativity in their life, that is, skin deep. As the expression goes, it's at the edge of the the, the way that a person engages with the world. And So, the result will always match the cause. Because this is a person whose spiritual negativity is so superficial and light, therefore the affliction that they experience is only on the skin, and it's not something that really affects them on the inside. That's also how the al explains why there is no longer Tzeras. Achara Khurban since the destruction of the Beis HaMikdosh. Because we don't have people of that caliber of Adam and therefore we don't have those miraculous outcomes of Tzeras because Tzeras is completely unnatural. Hey, yes. So what Alreva is basically saying is that in our generations there is no person who deserves a punishment that is so light because they are so intrinsically good with just this absolutely superficial negativity.. Sorry, because as Al-Terebbe says, even people who in today's world are considered to be tzaddikim and the best of the best, they still unfortunately also have issues within themselves that have to be rehabilitated. Therefore, we don't have the style of negativity that produces tsaras in today's world. If he says, Now that perspective that you've got to be at a certain spiritual caliber before you even engage with tsaras, that's further explanation to why tazria is the correct name of a parasha that describes Tsaras. that the whole Tsaras is only to facilitate new birth and higher experience of life. Why would Elisha make this miraculous type of illness called Saras? Because he wants to help us to get rid of that little clinging, edgy, superficial negativity that for whatever reason we're not really getting rid of on our own. Up until now we've explained why the name Tazria matches the parasha that speaks about getting tzaras. Now we can understand why Matsora describes the parasha about cleansing Tzorahs. Because we said it's ironic that the word matsora, which describes a person with tzaras, would be the name of the parasha of the person who gets rid of tzaras. Damit wird der what we're trying to illustrate over here is as tarasura for samatsara this is fascinating the healing of the matsera is not separate, separate from the saras amoverus pashals matsera that which is explained pashals matsera is nietkin bazundor uftu It's not a completely independent subsequent outcome of healing after the disease was werden es radisch pleus mit san de pulsa corbanus welches einem der Meaning, now that you've gone through these steps and you've brought these karbonos and you've had this period of purification, now after the tsaras you can now rehabilitate. The fact that the name which of the parasha of healing is called Metzora illustrates the fact that the tzeras itself was the reason that brought this person to eventually become purified. Let's say that differently. The actions taken or described in Pashas Metzera, which are the cause for actual purification. It's not that you had somebody with Tzoras and now we superimpose purification on them. The purification process reveals the fact that the Tzoras rehabilitated the person. Okay, as we've already explained how does the person heal spiritually which would obviously then reflect in the clearing up of the tzaras? it's through the process first the warnings of tzaras and eventually if that doesn't help the segregation of living outside of the camp that's why the parasha is not called the day of cleansing or purifying or something like that which would emphasize that purification starts from here on, it still retains the name Metzorah. So that we understand this purification you're about to see is the result of the Metzorah. It's because the person went through that disease which forced them away from their bad habits and that started to rehabilitate them. Like, everything we've discussed until this point is about an individual who has tzaras and how the tzaras is helpful to them and actually elevates them to be, live a whole new life. The same principle can be applied to us as a nation as a whole. that When we're in Golis we're isolated in Golis we're outside of the camp of holiness we're outside of our land we're outside of the Beis HaMikdash. So we're like a Mitzvah. Now the entire process and intention of Golos is like Tazriah to plant, to cultivate, to uh, create a whole new life. The objective of Golos is that something new should grow and it should begin to grow in the Golos experience. Not that it will bring to a time when Moshiach comes and then will grow in Tanya, in Tanya, as the that whatever great spiritual experiences will happen in the time of Mashiach, they are all totally the the completely dependent on our behaviour during the time of the Golis. We facilitate the messianic experience. What causes the reward of a mitzvah to happen? The mitzvah itself. In other words, whatever is going to be achieved at the time of Mashiach, and specifically after Tchiyas HaMesem, it's not something separate and independent from our current experience of Golos. That will be the emerging growth, which is, grows from what we plant now, during the Golis. And therefore you take these two names of these two parishes, put them together as they are combined in most years, and it gives us a tremendous lesson in our spiritual development. There's no question we have to learn Torah and do mitzvahs out of complete dedication to Hashem. That's what Debsha told us, that's what we do. Can etrachten? So, in that case, a person might imagine. Well, if my objective is to serve the Avishah, surely it doesn't matter what the result of my avoider will be, as long as I'm doing my avoider. That's the lesson we're going to take from Taz Yom hanal. It's not good enough for us just simply to do what Abish just said because he said so. We actually have to be conscious of the fact that what we are doing is producing the result called Mashiach. So we have to be conscious of the fact that the incredible godly revelation that will occur when Mashiach comes is not separate and independent from what we're doing now in our Yiddish guide. It's a direct continuum of our Avoida. In the Matazriya, is it, sorry, in the is the tazriya. We're now planting what will grow out. And be revealed in the time of Mashiach. So that's the broad principle that we have to be able to see the link between our Avoida now and the product, which is the time of Mashiach and the revelations of Mashiach. But the truth is, there are quite a number of specifics or, or, or angles that we could look at it from. Obviously, every Jew believes in Mashiach and anticipates Mashiach's coming. Because it's a fundamental principle of our faith and all Jews share that faith. But there could be various ways that that abstract faith in the coming of Mashiach could affect our observance of Terim In our actual practice as Jewish people. One possibility is a person could learn Torah, do mitzvahs and say, okay, I know what I'm doing right now is planting the seeds of Moshiach. bring Moshiach. My actions will bring Moshiach. But it's not, it's not something, it will do that, it will have that effect, but it's not something that I feel or experience as a connection to my personal avoider. First of all, let's be honest, the average person is not consciously learning Torah and doing mitzvah so as to facilitate Mashiach's coming. And and unfortunately, many people are not bothered by the fact that Mashiach could be delayed a little bit. Next week, we'll read mitzvah. next week, this week is Tazria, now we're focused on our avoider, later we'll talk about Mashiach. In fact, the person may even accept the possibility that Moshiach will only come to another generation. The individual could be very satisfied with the fact that I'm doing spiritually good things. I'm doing what they wish to once. I'm learning Torah. I'm doing the mitzvahs. I'm laying the groundwork for Moshiach. That's what I'm doing. Do I have to know that Moshiach is going to come now? Do I have to care in every mitzvah that's bringing Moshiach? Not necessarily. Evidently, Mr. Hira, that's what the Torah wants to clarify for us. As Berev Ashala Debaidah said to Smuhu Boris, in the vast majority of years, and Mataira are read together. When a kalgod of shall arrive to Daber, and we know that Tarah always follows majority scenarios. When a dinikriba alloch al is as Linan Boserobi, in fact that's even how we do it in Haloqah, we follow majority scenarios. So, therefore, that's telling us. Our attitude has to be we can't see the Tazriah Avoida and the Metzurah, Revelation of Mashiach, as separate. We have to see them as an entity that is linked with a hyphen. When our Zebul Shlemos, our Kimnicki Solomutu, as my friend, we're in the mission from the Vacha, the so, it's got to be so clear to us that if somebody comes to you on Sunday and says, What week is it this week? is the info by Pasha's, from Pasha's We know which week it is. The Tazir week, we know that they go together. That's the attitude that a Jew has to have. You ask a Jew about their Judaism, it is for sure my Avoid and Mashiach are completely intertwined. Every day I wait that this will be the day he comes. As I'm only here created to serve the Elisha. So therefore, this is what I've got to do all day long. The head in Kim as does My whole day has to be completely caught up in the understanding that what I'm doing now is bringing Moshiach sooner. And even that you could look at from two angles of One possibility is The person gets it. Okay, I will get it. My avoid, The tazria is azria tzmicha. I am planting the seeds of geula, the geula. But like the, the Rambam, Rabbisadya goit, the like um, Rashi says the parish should be called zois This will be something. Baba Yosei It will be something in the future. There is my avoider, which is one reality. And there's the Mashiach outcome, which is an independent, resulting reality. But it might be a result. It's still independent. I wait for Mashiach to come every day. And I'm even doing mitzvahs so that Mashiach will come. But in my mind, it's clearly two distinct things. What I'm doing and what will happen From what I'm doing, as through my efforts, it will affect something else. Chapter two: the coming of Mashiach. And especially if we do it really well, we'll even speed it up. But then there's a better and really the ultimate way to live. As is um, is the ideal way to see the Tazria and the Metzorah are absolutely one. The fact that in my Avoida I anticipate and feel the urgency of Mashiach is not from the perspective that I'll do X and Y, it will cause this result called Mashiach. But rather to understand and appreciate what I'm doing is Mashiach. When you plant a seed, it's not that you plant a seed and then something else happens and it grows. The seed becomes the plant. My avoid becomes the gula. And that will help. Uh, that will be easier to understand when we consider what is Mashiach all about, the ultimate experience of Torah and Mitzvahs. <speaking in Hebrew> that Mashiach well, Yonav, is going to answer all of the outstanding questions in Judaism. <speaking> in <Hebrew> Mashiach is going to explain the reasons behind things in Torah we never knew. is <speaking in Hebrew> going to teach everybody Torah. <speaking in Hebrew> Even look at how the Rambam says it. Osid Lamoid, the future king of Mashiach is going to come will restore the original Davidic dynasty and he'll build the base and he'll bring all the hidden together again and he will restore all of the original mitzvahs of the Torah as they were originally will be able to do mitzvahs we don't do properly now, bringing in the proper way everything as described originally in the Torah. What's Mashiach? Taking the Torah mitzvahs we're doing now to fruition, taking the seed and letting it grow into the full plant it was intended to be. And that's how we have to see our avoider. It's not an investment so we'll get the return called Mashiach. It is the facilitating the breeding of Mashiach now. The has explained before that the Rambam here is not just telling us philosophy or a wistful prophecy about Mashiach, but he's telling us Aloka. As the Girda for Meshiachin is that what defines Mashiach, the definition of Mashiach is somebody who reinstates Judaism as it was intended. On dos rambam, that's what rambam says. Everything they might have been lacking in terms of terro mitzvahs. Because maybe not all the Jews are where they should be, and we don't have a Beis HaMikdash. is in our which is basically a summary of what goddess is. We're lacking a whole lot of the essential parts of Judaism. Vert nishnam mashiach, and Mashiach is going to complete and reinstate all of that. That's why the Rambam tells us that Moshiach will bring back the dynasty of David and reinstate all of the mitzvahs. <speaking in foreign language> because Moshiach's primary job is to bring back Judaism as it should be. And seeing as the object of Judaism, Torah mitzvahs, will at that time be absolutely complete. <speaking in foreign language> It says, not only will the object Judaism be complete, but the practitioner, the Jews, will be able to do it in the most complete way. Again, as the Rambam says, we'll be freed of all of those external forces that impede us keeping terum mitzvahs properly. And not only will we not have anti-Semitism or laws against the practice of terum mitzvahs, but there'll be no famine, there'll be no war, there'll be no envy or competition. As the Rambam says, the Primary occupation of the entire world will be to know Hashem. So, in other words, what is Moshiach? Moshiach is not the reward for the mitzvot I'm doing now. Moshiach takes the mitzvot I'm doing now and facilitates an opportunity to understand them fully and observe them properly and that's what we believe in and that's what we're looking forward to which the Rambam describes that's how we have to learn and that's how we have to perform mitzvahs what I'm doing now is facilitating the ultimate version of this Ultimate learning, ultimate mitzvahs, and the Ultimate performance, ultimate knowledge of Hashem, and then the That's what I am anticipating when I wait for Mashiach, and that's what I am facilitating when I do Torah mitzvahs. And that would explain why they in. In, in previous generations he had great people like Rashi and the Rambam who called this parasha and it's only more recently that we've started to call it Mitzorah. But there is shown him in previous generations who were a long way off from the time of Moshiach. To them, the experience and the feeling of Gula was quite far off. It's a chapter 2. It's an epilogue. Something will happen in the future, something that is distinct from our reality right now. Therefore, their avoid at that time wasn't or couldn't be as full as it is now with a feeling that we're about to take our mitzvahs to the ultimate. Through our avoider now, it's going to translate into the ultimate way to keep Judaism. Because to them, the gulah was a long way off. But now in recent times, times where we are called the footsteps or the heels of Mashiach, and the concept of Mashiach is alive for us. We feel it, we're conscious of it. That's why in these times, we've actually st- started to call the parish in the we have a sense and definitely a high dimension of our Neshama sees it clearly. In Ot Ot Mashiach, we see that our Avodah is just steps away from bringing Mashiach. And because we feel that, we know that action is what counts. That prompts us to add in our study of ter- and performance and mitzvahs. Develtal to get the world to fruition asap. So we'll be able to fulfill mitzvahs as they intended them. When Mashiach comes, and we'll have the third beis Hamikdash. So that's where we're going, that's where our head is, and we see the direct link between our avoida and, pre- and, and the revelation of Mashiach. So we can even call the parish a because we see the link between the tzaras, golos, and the Tahara Moshiach. And we can even take it one step deeper in appreciating why we, Dafka, nowadays call it Metzera. In exactly the same way as we describe Tzaraas in the human experience and in individual experience, that who could have Tzaraas? Well, the fact that somebody has saras indicates that that person is actually on an extremely elevated a level of, of a personal wholeness. Somebody who's really aligned themselves properly in terms of who they are. It says, <coughs> Just as says, there's the says, the, the hem of the garment is still not clean. Because the spiritual in, uh, the inappropriateness is so superficial, so the disease that manifests is only a skin disease. The skin-deep illness is a sign that there's only skin-deep impurity in this person's life. Truth is, we could actually apply that to the Jewish people as a whole. Now that we're in this last period, these generations just before Mashiach comes, we're so close to Mashiach. That's why our generation can actually experience something akin to the very elevated state of the person who gets saras. not because we're great people, but because we're standing on the shoulders of all the generations that came before us and we're in a very elevated position as a result. Thanks to all those generations who preceded us, the, the real critical areas of personal development of the Jewish community have happened. We've just got to fix up the last little bits and pieces that are, you know, the edges of the picture. We're like a mitzvah. Sanhedrin, and that will relate to a very intriguing story which many of us know that is recorded in Sanhedrin. I said, Yo, Hodges, Zach, Rabbi Shobin Levi. Rabbi Shobin Levi asked Eliyah Novi, when's Mashiach coming? So he said, Go ask him. So he said, Where do I find him? So Eliyah told him, Where will you find Mashiach? You'll find him with poor people who suffer from maladies. Rashi says what illnesses do they suffer from? They have Tsaras, And Mashiach himself has Tsaras as well. Similarly, uh, within a couple of pages of that, the Gemara speaks about the potential names of Mashiach. (coughs) One name that's put forward is the Metsura from the Yeshiva. Metsura as Rashi says. And they say it's based on a pasuk. We we see that Mashiach is somebody who is smitten with tzaraas. It's the whole thing is strange. As how is it out of all the possible titles or identifying symbols we could have used for Mashiach, it's a it's a mitzorah. He's called Chibra de Rabbi. He's got tzaraas. Where's it come from? The fact that Moshiach might have physical suffering, and therefore he's found with the people who suffer, that makes sense. Because Rashi will quote the in Yishai that tells us, Because there is a description that Moshiach is wounded because of our averas, and he suffers for our mischoices. Right? And, and, and that's even one of the names that the Gomorrah produces for Mashiach, somebody who suffers. But why why, it's a rice? why? why is that specifically the thing that is used to associate with Mashiach? Well, here's the explanation based on what we've said. The whole concept of tzaras we've described is not all negative, in fact to the contrary. It's got a very positive element to it. And in this case, it's the positive description or understanding of who the Jews are in the period just before Mashiach comes. These are people who, by and large, the vast majority of spiritual work has been done. Whatever negative we find, even though it might be so in our faces, well, that's because it's actually on the outside. It's actually quite superficial. But fundamentally, we deserve Mashiach. You see this reflected in Mashiach's response to Rabbi Yishu Levi's question of, When are you coming? He says, I'm coming today. And Eliyahu has to afterwards explain it to Rabbi Yishu Levi and say, What he was telling you is, the Pasuk, I'll come today. If you listen to my voice. Now, Torah. We have a Jewish principle: You don't take a pasuk out of its natural, out of its um, uh, simple context. "Hayoyim" means "hayoyim." When Mashiach said today, he meant today. As "hayoyim" is "amatzef unzochu," in other words, he's telling him the people deserve Mashiach already. Israel we deserve Mashiach to come today. That's Mashiach's answer to Rabbi Shimon Leiby. Now, I mean, his husband, and then we explain technically. So, why didn't he come? Because there's some element still lacking in terms of listening to Hashem's voice, which is the Gemara Habir We haven't yet cleansed the very last vestiges of superficial negativity, like the Tzimitzara. And this is particularly relevant in our time. That was in the time of the Gemara. How much more so in our time? As in is where we could tell, we could feel in our bones that Moshech is literally round the corner, like the pasuk says, behind the wall. The, the pasuk even indicates that the wall is breached; it has holes, it has cracks. Anochma is The pasuk says Mashiach is looking at us through those holes. He's villain the pachim looking when are you going to finish those last little bits and pieces dotting the i's crossing the t's two polishing your buttons and the and getting rid of that very last tiny albeit elusive superficial negativity as soon as we do that, Mashiach comes immediately. He comes flying down on clouds. In the quickest way possible. Because he's coming to a world where the entire Jewish population is deserving of Mashiach. Like the passage says. All of us at definitely deserve to inherit the, the land. So to speak, the world to come. From from, as the pasuk says, what Hashem has planted. Remember Tazriya, what Hashem has planted in the ground. A Boim Yash is now going to give root. And it will blossom or table to Nuva, and the entire world will be filled with the produce which is the result of our planting throughout the mitzvah because Mamish that should happen immediately.